Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Shinobu Hindert on the line. Shinobu, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. I'm glad you're here. And we talked a little bit in the pre-show about investing. And so why don't you share a little bit about you and, and the work you do? Yeah, so I have a financial education company that focuses on educating people around how to get invested and really build long-term wealth. Prior to this company, I was a financial planner for a very big company and had a client base of about $350 million under management and then really transitioned to the educational part of it because I was really surprised at outside of my client base, how many people really didn't have the tools or the resources to become more invested in the markets. And as much as I enjoyed helping people that had already built that wealth, it just seemed more attuned with my demographic and my age group to get get out there and really start shaking things up and getting people excited about it. So I am a certified financial planner. I've been in the financial industry for about 15 years. So this is this is truly my passion. That's awesome. And I agree with you. There's a lot of people that are just, you know, completely unaware of what investing is. You know, they have a general idea of Maybe through their employer, they have a 401k, so they have that blank stare when they get the, the paper and they're trying to figure out, okay, how do I divvy up you know, my funds? What do I want to invest? And you know, the questions are really vague going, okay, are you conservative or more aggressive in your things? What types of you know, commodities? And they're, just, they, they're deer in headlights glazed over because there, there really hasn't been any education Right. Um, on things in a long time. I remember being in school. We actually, in our a business, uh, I think it was a business math class of all things. Um, we had a couple week assignment where we had to pull out the newspaper back when all the stocks, or at least the Dow Jones stocks, were were listed in the newspaper, and we had to track, you know, our our particular stocks that we had picked out for a week. And I remember that because he had to, and this was even, uh, I really date myself, highlighters weren't <laughs> out yet. We had to use a little, either a, a pen or a circle or something like that. You know, all the modern tools today that I didn't have as a kid. But, <laughs> but you know, I remember looking at that. And of course, now, you know, you, you don't have, you know, any type of stock information in a, in a newspaper, at least your normal, you know, local newspaper, much less right. even the Wall Street Journal. It's like you can look things up online, but um, you're not going to see, you know, pages and pages of all the stocks, which I'm sure makes the print house really happy because that must have been a complete <laughs> pain to update every one of those numbers. I, I can't even think about that. But what we're seeing now, especially with the Robin Hoods and all types of other things, is we're starting to get a lot more people at least exposed to it mm-hmm. and they're hearing things and they're going, okay, what about this? And, you know, you have Elon Musk talking about certain types of cryptocurrencies and tweeting about things like that. So there's a lot of dialogue about it, which is good because it's at least informing some people, okay, there's things out there, but digging in deeper, you know, what are some of the common things that you see in working with people that, you know, aren't comfortable with investing, you know, what are some of the roadblocks that they put up? 
I think there's so many internal roadblocks that we put in place. There, There's roadblocks existing in the industry. So I'll go ahead and date myself. But 15 years ago, you couldn't go to a big financial firm with a little bit of money and say, I want to open an account and I don't want to pay any fees. That just didn't happen. Every time someone opened an account, there were minimums, there were investment minimums they had to meet, there was annual account maintenance fees, anytime they wanted to do a trade or anything, they're paying and paying and paying. So there there was this actual roadblock that you needed to have a lot of money to get invested. And that's not the case anymore because of technology, because of this innovation, investing is becoming democratized. So everyone does have access to it now. So just to put that out there, that those external roadblocks that used to exist don't exist anymore. Then a lot of times people will go and look at a company and say, well, I don't really identify with this older man who's talking to me in a suit about investing. So that's a turnoff and people feel like, well, they don't really understand me or I don't fit in here. So there's these external roadblocks, but they really don't exist anymore. So a lot of it's coming from the internal because we are told things about money growing up that we don't even necessarily identify that we're writing our story that way, right? My father was extremely conservative with money. He was born and raised in Kenya and Africa, lost his parents before the age of 18. He had to become financially dependent very quickly. So as I was growing up, he was always afraid that he would die and leave me with nothing. So his message to me was like, you need to learn how to take care of yourself. You need to make sure that you have saved money. And so I began to hoard money as a child. If I got $5 for chores and my first jobs that I had, I would hide money in cash in these envelopes in my room. And that's a kid. That's a kid doing that. So as I got older, even though I was excited about this industry, I still had these tendencies that were internal. So I think that you just need to look at what is the story you're telling yourself about money and just take it a little step farther because you can now, even if you had $15 and you wanted to go open a, a brokerage account where you're trading, you can. And the minimums on the funds or even these fractional shares they have on stocks, you can do it. So I think it's identifying, like finish the statement. I don't feel comfortable investing because, and just jot it down and start to work through those things. Because once you identify what's an internal roadblock, what's an external roadblock, you can just take one step in the right direction. And then you gain confidence after you take that step. And then you kind of keep going down that way. But the industry has become very friendly to really anybody who wants to start investing. It's so true. And it's so easy to open up an account, you know, my smartphone, you know, I, yeah. I do, I do investing. Yeah. I've got, you know, I, I have a couple of brokerage firms. I invest in, you know, crypto technology and there's other things that I'm invested in as well. And, you know, majority of them I can access from my phone. Usually I'm, I'm using my computer because of the, the even, you know, the, there's certain things that are just easier to use on a bigger screen than on this. But like you said, you know, the fractional shares and people are going, what's that mean? It's like, okay, you can't buy, you know, maybe you can't afford to buy one share of, Apple. And before I go any further, we're not giving any investment advice on this show. We are not, even though you're licensed, I'm not. So let's not, let's not tell people to do this or that buy low, sell high there. That's about as far as I'm going to go on that. <laughs> that's good advice. <clears throat> but we'll actually, so we'll, we'll use a different example. You want to buy a stock of ABC company and that stock right now trades at $642 a share. 
Okay. Well, you're like, well, wow, I only have maybe $300 that I can invest in. Well, there's certain brokerage firms, you can buy what is called fractional share. So you can buy $300 worth of that share. So you're getting point, we'll say make easy math, 0.5. So half of a share. And you're like, well, what's half a share? Well, if that stock rises and goes up to 1,000, 2,000, whatever the case may be, then you're getting a proportion of that, and that's investing. And you know, it boils down to your comfort level too. You know, mm-hmm. and this is one piece of, you know, just I don't want to say advice, but smart things do. Don't don't invest more than you can afford to lose. Um, you know, and and don't just don't take everything and say, you know what, somebody said this on Twitter, so I'm putting it all in, and. Even this point, or this morning, I'm watching an investment show, and there is a, a movie chain. I'm not going to mention their name, but you know their stock has been talked about quite a bit in recent months, and it's gone really high, and now it's dropping like a lead balloon. And there are a lot of people that bought it way up here, and now it's way down here, and they may have just completely blown up their investment account, and they may be so low on that. And that's, you know, that's one of the risks. So I think the takeaway is get an education. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say there's a really big difference between between this meme stock investing that's happening right now of this trend of the, these particular stocks are doing well versus traditional asset allocation type of investing, meaning matching your investments with where you are. And those are generally three things we're looking at is, what is your time frame? Number one, when do you plan on spending that money? Is this money you need in a year? Then don't invest it. Because if you lose money on it, you just lost money that you knew you needed in a year. Do you need this in seven years out? Well, then you want to start looking at investing. Then the second piece is how comfortable are you with risk? If you've never invested before, it's not a good decision to buy just one individual company because you're subject to so much risk. You're subject to whoever's working at the company. What if they cheat or lie about something and we don't know that? What if a CEO is a little wacky and they're gonna do something that gets them bad press and that can happen? You also have industry risk or sector risk. So that was last year, it didn't matter where what financials looked like for airline companies or for travel companies, they all got hit because of the pandemic. And then lastly, you have market risk. You're always going to be exposed to market risk no matter what you're investing in. So like the financial crisis, the tech crash, you have where the whole market just comes down. So I would suggest that people look at only exposing themselves to market risk and not picking a specific company because that 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 is pretty risky. But then the last thing you want to look at is what does your financial picture look like? Do you have emergency funds? Because if you're investing and you're like, okay, this seems like a good idea. You have an unexpected expense comes up. Well, you don't know is the, is your portfolio, your investment's going to be down that month. And then now you're selling when you shouldn't have been. So you kind of want to identify your goal for the money, your risk tolerance, your, um, financial situation to determine how risky of an investment should you be in. And I would say buying an individual stock would be the higher echelon of risk when we're looking at normal asset classes, because I would consider cryptocurrency to not even be in that. That would be even to me a way out on the risk scale. Um, And that I would say only put in what you could afford to lose, but maybe take a different approach if it's a mutual fund that has stock exposure, bond exposure, and they're kind of doing that for you, that, that you can't afford to take take on that risk because it's it's been time tested. 
and also the, you know those you know, you know people that are running those particular funds you know their goal of course is to make money off of the investments as well so they are properly trained educated they know market conditions and and all of that and it's the the risk thing is is a is a huge thing that a lot of people for some reason ignore they 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 just go you know what it's gonna you know we hear the phrase it's going to the moon okay great well that's does it you know or is it going to crash you know like a boulder type of situation and again a lot of people investing especially in the early days they're like okay I buy this oh, wow it's up five dollars great you know that, that's awesome but it can go down ten dollars tomorrow uh, especially with the wild swings that we see in in some of these things and again you know figuring out what your risk level is what mm-hmm. you're comfortable because um, investment there's risk you know there's risk in everything you, know, you, could, you know, we don't yeah, see and, it and anymore fund, Go ahead. fund managers that are let's say following a 60 percent stock exposure 40 percent bond exposure they're held to a totally different standard because they can only take on a certain amount of risk where you're you're not going to see these huge wild swings you would see if you're owning a particular company because that is really right the market's always forward looking so when we're hearing news that you know let's say Apple's new phone that came out was a bust and now nobody likes it you know their their share price is going to get hurt for a little bit and then kind of fiddle around but when you're investing in a diversified mutual fund you, you aren't necessarily going to see your accounts drop because of one company. So keep that in mind that you can shelter from risk. Um, and then if you want to buy individual stocks, I would look to do that with maybe 5 to 10% of the money that you have to invest to say, because it is fun to participate, right? If you enjoy, let's say you shop at the same place all the time and you're like, well, I might as well own some of this company stock. That's a great idea. But you're not risking your whole financial livelihood on this one company doing well but it is also fun to participate in that because you do you feel like an owner of that company when it's like that so i err on the side of keeping that between five and ten percent of your overall investment so it's not going to break break you but again it is fun to participate i love that i I do something similar to that and you know in the area that i'm in in Toronto, um, the malls have been closed because of the pandemic for a while. They've opened up and then they had to close again because the cases were skyrocketing. But they've reopened and walked through the local mall uh, that's close to me. And I was walking around. I had a couple places I was going to, but I, I thought, you know what, let me walk around because, of course, there was capacity limits in all of the stores. Oh, yeah. So I made note of the stores that had long lines. Nice. I'm like, okay, they're and just you know observed. Okay, what type of store were they? You know, and why they would have a long line, um, and and you know made a note of it. I grabbed my phone and just made a note of those companies because those will be ones that I would watch. You know, and, and create a watch list of say, okay, let, let's see how these stores are performing over a period of time, and then when they report their quarterly earnings for the last quarter, it's like I anticipate if this is the normal across the board then you know they, they probably are going to do quite well so again it's for me that's that's kind of the investigative look into it type of thing but I agree with you you know you, yeah, you that, wanna, that's, <laughs> you're taking a page out of a book of a very famous uh, portfolio manager and he was like do it for the holidays go around see the busiest stores and that's where he would invest his money so you're you're basically at the doing it at the highest level so that's awesome and it's fun it's fun to do that 
Exactly. And, and then, of course, you know, some of the stores are, you know, they sell things that and clothes that I would never wear because <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not in their demographic. Yeah, they're going after a younger demographic, which is great because it's a huge population. And by all means, as an investor, I'd say, yeah, go go to where they are. And yeah. and, and they're doing quite well. And my daughter actually works for one of those organizations. Cool. So um, so in huge line up there. So it's like, OK, well, I know they're doing well, yeah. um, but it's like, please don't tell me what they're doing sales wise. I don't I that's <laughs> Uh, don't tell me if you do then I, I immediately have to stop what I'm doing. I can't buy that stock. So, so I won't do that. No, I don't want to get in trouble. Um, but she, yeah, she wouldn't pay attention to it anyway, but anyway, but ultimately it boils down to, and we we keep going back to this theme is you know, learn about investing and you know, there's a bazillion investing, you know, books and resources and people and things like that. But, you know, do your due diligence and 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 seek people out and you know people that are in the industry. Uh, nothing against your neighbor or an uncle or things like that. You, obviously, you can listen to them, but you know do, do your own research. Yeah, it's really interesting these kind of water cooler talks that you have with your neighbors. And because I've been in this business for 15 years, I have had a lot of neighbors come and chat with me about investing and they they often lead with their wins about what they're doing really great. And a lot of times it's not based on hard data, right? It's just like, oh, I heard this was good and I'm buying it. And then they would always kind of tell me these great stories. And I would kind of keep a mental note of what they're investing in. And then when I would see a big dip in that area, or let's say it would kind of go the wrong way, you don't see those neighbors. They don't come out and talk to you, you know, but then when they're buying something else, they'll come out. So just keep in mind too, that people are going to be way less inclined to share with you when they've made a mistake, but kind of toot their horns when they're they're doing well. So keep that in mind too, that you might not always be seeing the full picture um, when it comes to investing. And I wrote my book, Investing is Your Superpower, to give you a guide. And I break it down into three different phases of creating your own investment strategy. So I'm I'm not really vague in the book. I'm very clear on what you need to do, what steps you need to take and how to do it. And that's a, it's a great place to start because I wrote it for people that might be like, all right, I'm doing a couple of the right things. I'm saving some money, but I'm not actually investing. How do I go and do that? And I give you a step-by-step doing that. And, and that's really just learning because I look at eventually at some point we want to stop working. We might want to work because we enjoy it, but not feeling like we have to work because we need to drive an income later on. So if you have to turn this money that you're saving into income, that's a totally different ballgame of investing. That is completely different. You have to learn even more about how to turn your investments into income. So I look at this time right now as you're trying to build your assets and accumulate the wealth as kind of a testing ground. This is kind of boot camp for retirement. Let me get more familiar with how the markets work. Let me get familiar. Let me partner with a company that I enjoy. Do I want to work with a financial advisor? What does this look like? And kind of use this as your quest to really be prepared for in the future. So when you go to make a decision, you're not making the wrong decision when your prime working years are behind you. If you make a mistake now, you learn from it. You can pick yourself up and you can learn from it. If you're retiring and you make a big mistake with your investments, that's it. It's It can be really scary. So this is just a great time to explore, be inquisitive, and just never invest in something you don't understand. If you don't understand it, ask a follow-up question. Just keep kind of probing until you feel comfortable that you could turn around and explain it to your neighbor and just 
that's when you start to feel like, okay, I'm making this decision because I feel confident. I feel empowered with the information that I learned. And then you're kind of reaching the next level. And um, I kind of look at it like learning another language. And if I were to pick up a book or, you know, you could used to be able to buy those CDs, put them in the car. And if I'm trying to learn French, I'm not going to become fluent in a couple of months, just poking around on a couple different articles. So, you know, you, you might learn how to order dinner. And you're like, okay, you know, I can say thank you and hello and goodbye. And you just kind of build on these skills. That's the same thing with investing. You don't have to be an expert to get started. You kind of just learn more and more along the way, but you have to be participating in order to get that experience. Yeah. And when the market goes down, you never see your neighbors because their, yeah. their stock's probably down unless, unless they know how to short stocks and all that stuff, which we're, we're not going to get into that type of conversation today. But uh, yeah, there's uh, it's I, I think the key thing is and there was an investment uh, guy that I know. Yeah, he you know, he, he gave me a lesson. And he just kind of said the same thing. It's like, OK, you know, you, you had a loss. OK, why? You know, what mm-hmm. happened? What, what what was the indicator? Was you know was the volume bad on the stock? Did um, was there you know bad news or you know all, there's a billion factors that can be thrown into it to see why you may have lost. And you know sometimes I've seen a case where yeah they they you know thought the stock was going to go up to a certain thing, so they held on to it, and then of course the stock dropped, and they went from being profitable on that particular transaction to you know a losing position. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's really hard to shave off earnings, right? Is Even my role as a financial advisor, if a client was coming in and we were looking at their investments and I'm saying, okay, all your winners, let's sell some of them and let's buy more of these losers. They'd be like, ah, I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm gonna come back next month when you have better ideas because it's so unnatural to want to sell your winners. But it is, that's, that's what you have to do in order to keep that money in your pocket because otherwise it's not realized. You're just looking at it on a statement. So, um, yeah, you're you're hitting on all the the points. It's the our behaviors and emotions really dictate how we invest, which is why you'll get better with more experience. Exactly, and I think your book is is quite powerful in, in guiding people from that. I don't know what I'm doing to okay, I'm starting to get comfortable with it. Never stop learning. You, you, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, in your you know, 15 years plus of investing, you, you learn stuff every day. Like, well, I've, yeah. I've, I haven't seen that pattern happen too often or, okay, what happened there? Or you think, okay, they, they announced this. Okay, to, you know, 99% of the time I've seen it do this and all of a sudden it does something completely different. Why in the world's that? It's like, well, you know, there's so many different factors now that are involved with that that throws things off. So I've loved our conversation today. I can't imagine why time goes by so fast, but it did. <laughs> so where can people find out more about you, your, your book, and all the awesome work you're doing? Yeah, you can go to www.empoweredplanning.com and you can download the first free chapter of the book, kind of get a taste of what my style is. If it's something that you're interested in, then you can go ahead and and purchase the book. Um, And I hang out a lot on Instagram. I make free educational videos based on questions that I get from people. So check that out and I would love to hear from you. It's awesome. And I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So thank you again for being on the show and, and for all the amazing work you've done and, and for the book. I know it's going to help a ton of people become not only investors, but better investors as well, yeah. which it benefits all of us. 
Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.